Well, welcome to the Frankincense Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Benavides. And I am Jared St. Martin Brown. Yeah, so we are here together on um, this. Uh, well, I guess you'll be hearing it on um, probably Friday evening when this posts up on the week of, um, you know, February yeah. what, 26th. Is that what? It, yeah, so so here we are. Um, and we are going Dang. to be talking about a pretty heavy. Yeah, we're going to be talking about a pretty heavy topic today. Um, so, you know, we're not going to be doing, doing a whole lot of banter. I think we're just going to go straight into the topic because it's a pretty big deal. Um, so we've. So if you've been paying attention to media, you know, to the news sources lately, you've you've seen a lot about um, uh, about basically um, sexual exploitation, sexual assault. Um, you've seen a lot of detail about that. And being that we're recording today on we're recording on February twenty fifth, which is um, End It Movement Day, um, End It Day, where the End It Movement has a campaign to basically raise awareness around the uh, over 40 million people around the world who are in a uh, human trafficking um, slavery situation. And so uh, yeah. there's basically, it's a way to raise awareness. You see um, celebrities, a lot of Christian celebrities, a lot of uh, actually even just a lot of just people having red X's on their hands, posting on social media in order to raise awareness. Um, but the thing about it is, is that when we think about human trafficking, when we think about sexual exploitation, a lot of times we think about it in a foreign country term, right? We think about it in a way where it's like, oh, well, this is happening. You know, we watched the movie Taken, right? With, um, uh, what's, oh, his, gosh, yeah, what's, his, yeah. what's his name? Uh, Liam Neeson. <laughs> Thank you, Liam Neeson. Yes, Liam Neeson, oh, the okay. actor. I don't know. I, how I didn't mean to say that with such joy. I know this is a serious topic. And all of a sudden, I, I started thinking of that Key and Peel skit with the uh the the valets who just love liam neeson so yes i'll try to, yeah, liam I'll try neeson. to move on but i i don't i don't know how i didn't even get that because my son's name is liam but anyway so but liam neeson <laughs> and taken right and you have taken where it's like this giant big ring that's happening in a foreign country you see um rambo the the last uh, rambo movie that just came out where his niece or something like that gets caught up um in in in, in a uh, sex um, um, trafficking ring in Mexico or something like that and or South America somewhere and basically he has to go down and fight that cartel and of course he's Rambo so it's like pretty awesome oh my gosh yeah it's a pretty okay so I, I'm not like it's gory yeah. it's 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 brutal yeah but Rambo's awesome so watch it but anyway so so you have that right um and so but the thing is it's like when we think about it in that kind of context we miss out on the things that are happening right in front of us. And it, yes, um, sex trafficking is real and we've got to be aware of it and we've got to raise awareness, but we also have to talk about the things that are happening around us and especially within the church. We've seen recently several church leaders, there are probably there are a lot more. There's youth pastors who are being in trouble for things. There are uh, teachers who are being in trouble for things, but there are pastors who are in leadership roles and who are basically taking advantage of women in their leadership roles, uh, even taking advantage of men in their leadership roles, um, where we're seeing people of the name of like Robbie Zacharias of most recent notoriety, who has a, a long report that came out from an internal investigation that happened within his own ministry um, to talk about what he's done and what he did 
in his process wow. now. We'll talk a little bit about what he did. We're not going to go into full detail because it's pretty rough, but we will talk about some things that, that he did. But so Robbie Zacharias, you have a Bill Hybels, who was the lead pastor of Willow Creek Church in, in Illinois, who, um, you know, who has had a lot of allegations brought up against him. And through another, again, another internal investigation review, they came to find out that the allegations were, you know, were credible. Um, and then you have Carl Lentz, who was the lead pastor of Hillsong, New York, who lost his position and who came out to find out that he was having um, extramarital um, affair and that he was um, exploiting some of the volunteers to like do things like for him, like, like to, you know, basically um, using them as, as, as labor, like free labor, like in a way, like where it was like expecting them to do things for him because he was the lead pastor. Um, yeah. And so what we're going to talk about today is all of this, like, but we're going to be talking a lot about how do we, number one, how do we recognize this stuff happening? Two, how do we yeah, talk okay. about it? Three, why don't we talk about it? And four, how do we honor the victims? Because the victims are the ones who are basically, because and what we'll find out in a bit is that a lot of times these victims are told, you have to stay quiet. You cannot bring right. this up. Because if you do, uh, you're going to bring down a ministry. You're going to ruin the name of a man who's done great things and, and who has changed the lives of millions of people, thousands of people, whatever. And so if you say something, you're ruining that. Um, and so it's painful for me as a pastor, but it should yeah. be painful for me as a man. It should be painful for me as a Christian that this stuff is happening within the body of Christ. And so, yeah. um, so that's what we want to talk about today. Uh, so I'm with you, man. I, I, you're probably going to find uh, that me, um, you'll probably find me kind of quiet on some of it, not on purpose. It's just because I don't really know what to say. You know, I mean, I mean it kind of leaves you speechless. That's no excuse not to, there's no excuse to, to not talk about it. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you have to talk about it, even if you don't have the words. Um, I just think that like, me, I'm, I'm guilty of trying not to think about it, you know, try not to think about what are the causes of it. Um, try not to think about what's the solution to it. I, I like way behind, like, you know, I haven't done my homework on this basically. And mm -hmm. I haven't put the, I haven't put the work in to, to learn about this, even though I know it's affected literally people in my life but yeah. you know i'm guilty of just walking around being ignorant you know yeah and, and the thing is i think that there's i think that's a fair statement i think a lot of people walk around in that ignorance right they they i think that they either have chosen to say like well it's not happening in my church right there's no way my church is doing that i trust my leaders too much to that in that and so there's no way this is happening um and so we so we don't talk about it or like you said, is that I don't really know what to say. So how do I talk about it if I don't know what to say? So we're going to talk about that because I feel like th this, these are the elements. And, and before some listeners might be saying, oh, look, here's two guys talking about it. Okay. Well, I, I do think that it, it's there's some value in it because, um, you know, men are the perpetrators of it. So I think there's value in two guys talking about it because, I mean, mm -hmm. 
we really need to just look full into the, it, it's something like, I, I forget what the actual number is. I think it's over 95%. It's something like 96% of all sexual assaults are done by men. So the, the problem is pri- primarily caused by men, uh, which is why I think like two men needed to talk about it. Right. And so um, we're going to talk about it, but this probably won't be the last time. And so we're probably going to actually invite uh, Marisa uh, Raposa back on and um, a couple others to talk about their experiences as females, not just female pastors, but as females in the church and like, and what they feel when they're hearing these stories and, and what they've experienced. Because yeah. the, the, the sad part is, is that, and so we're going to, there's a lot that I want to cover in all of this and we have such a short period of time. So, but Let's talk about why we're talking about. It. So let's talk about what happened with Rob Zacharias, Carl Lentz, and Bill Hybels, the three Christian leaders that are that are prevalent right now that are in the in the media and being spoken of. So um, we'll start with Bill Hybels. Bill Hybels, lead pastor of Willow Creek. Uh, his daughter Shauna Nyquist has just written a, 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 a kind of an apology recently to like the public, saying, "Look, I stayed quiet on this. I don't yeah. approve of what my dad did. I don't support him in in that, but I still love him as my dad." but I'm sorry for being silent because my silence was painful and caused pain. And so I apologize. And I respect her so much for that because I could only imagine being the daughter of, of this and, and trying to handle it with grace. Um, but with Bill, his situation of sitting with female leaders, sitting with females who are in his care and basically ending up in their hotel rooms and talking with them but in a way where it's like very um suggestive and very um you know these are the accusations and and many of these accusations came to be um credible and so bill was um, accused of these things and they were swept under the rug by by leadership well they came to light and found out that the churches did not handle the situation well at all didn't address it well and um, accused these women of just trying to bring down a great man and trying to bring down a ministry and just trying to capitalize. So they were silenced. Well, when it came out, yeah. Bill was disgraced um, and he had to step away from his role. And obviously many people um, lost a lot of respect for him. Um, and it took him a while to even yeah. apologize. Um, so, so there's that. Then you have Carl Lentz, like I just said, who was the lead pastor of Hillsong, New York, who um, you know, was basically fired. And everybody's like, what, what was this about? Turned out that he was um, he was having an affair um, outside of his marriage. He was, um, you know, he was using his position for um, basically gaining things and, and and that kind of stuff. And so, manipulating, um, grooming, kind of in that way. Um, and so that was happening. But then you have Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias, a renowned apologist, someone who spoke. Uh, he spoke eloquently. He was a life changer. He spoke truth. He was able to tell people um, and, and help people um, point to the gospel and, and how to address the gospel and, and shared his testimony so so eloquently and, 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 and really just a beautiful story of, of life change. That's what he shared publicly. Um, he was also known for having a bad back. And so in B, by having a bad back, he would he would hire um, massage therapists and he would have them with him on his trips to take care of them. Well, then he ended up opening up massage parlors, um, basically places that he can go to and um, get the needs met. In the investigation, 
that was done by his own ministry. That was, um, th- there were initial accusations that came out a while back. Um, I can't know, I don't re- really remember exactly when, but they were a while back. And when they were brought up, the woman was silenced. Um, they settled out of court and she had to sign a, basically a gag order where she wasn't going to say right. anything. Right, non-disclosure. Um, yeah. And so then um, what they basically let out was she was um, just trying to take advantage and trying to uh, capitalize on a well-known uh, man in bringing down a ministry and trying to basically make money off him. That was the report. They yeah, there just seems to be a pattern here of, of you know, looking at and saying, um, you know, at the victim and saying like, hey, what's in it for you? We know this is about, you know, you trying to you know, I don't know, sabotage and get some attention, you know, but, but basically yeah. try to turn it right around to like, you know, you know, but I, I bet you, uh, I'm just throwing this out there. I, I bet you some of the people who sort of block these victims from going public with their story or try to, you know, quickly bring in these, uh, get them to sign these sort of uh, non-disclosure agreements. I, I feel like that some of them probably feel like they're doing the Lord's work because they probably see this victim as like someone sent by the enemy, you know, to, to like slander someone, you mm-hmm. know, to, to like slander their, their lead pastor. And so I bet they feel like they're doing the right thing. You know, like this is not just about, you know, um, you know, uh, a rapist and a victim that it's about like, you know, God versus the devil somehow, you know? Right. Right. So the report comes back and basically shares that, um, you know, after doing the investigation, now Ravi Zacharias, of course, passed away just, um, just a short while ago. Um, Mm -hmm. and in that death, many people were saddened. I was saddened, um, to find out Mm -hmm. about, you know, him losing his battle with uh, cancer. And, um, that was hard to hear. I even like bought a bunch of his books because I was like, man, I want to like, I want to gain some insight. I want to gain some wisdom. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, um, and I, and I have, I read them and I was like, man, this is so good. Well then shortly after report after report after report of women who have been um, raped or assaulted or groomed by him, told to give two sexual favors for him. Um, he was manipulating. He was telling them who he was and, by his name and by his standard, by the own, being the owner of these places and investor in these places and being who he was, he was like, he was able to control them. Um, and so the report comes back and finds out that yes, he did. There was one truth to him raping a, a, an individual, um, uh, truth to him um, basically manipulating women and grooming them to be there for his sexual pleasure whenever he was on travels. And, um, you know, he and one of the things that he would tell them is, uh, you can't say anything because if you do, um, you might ruin you might ruin the, the salvation of, of thousands upon the hundreds of thousands of people because of oh, my influence over goodness. them. What a crazy like mind game, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's heartbreaking though because again, this is a man who has really spoken truth into the lives of so many people. And so many people listen to him and, and, and were, were changed by him. And to find out that, dude, this guy was a wolf in sheep's clothing. Like, I mean, to, yeah. I mean, to put it, to put it real, it's like he knew how to play the game and he, he spoke truth, but 
he was doing evil deeds behind the scenes. And and whether he started off like that, whether he had that in, in his mind at all, I don't know. I don't I don't believe, I would hope not. But again, the power game, the yeah. the authority, the the status. You know, he was a celebrity Christian apologist. Everybody wanted to listen to him. Everybody looked were was just enthralled by him. And I think that again, when you get to that point, you don't have anybody keeping you in check. And he was actually he was actually um, recorded at one point in time saying that he not, he didn't necessarily have a whole lot of close friends. He had friends who he can like you know ministry friends, but he did not have a whole lot of close friends in the huh. sense of like people who he can confide in and like he can trust. Them. Like he he actually came out like I don't remember like how long ago that re- report was was given, but but he shared those words and and there's part of me is like did he just not have accountability? Did he just not have somebody who can say hey look I'm struggling yeah. with that. um or he just um got to a point like maybe egotistically where no one could actually be his peer yeah yeah that's that's a that's a definite valuable point right there um and so now you know so you have all these backstories you have all this stuff that's come out so now what right um we have a lot of pain that's being brought up you have a lot of people in the church what is this you have a lot of women who have said like this is not something new we have been treated this way by men in the church for so long. And many of them have been told, be quiet, don't say anything. And a lot of times it's because they're manipulated. They're, 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 and, and I hate to say it, but the reality of it is that I think people have taken scripture to yeah. manipulate. Yeah, scripture. that's what I was thinking when he was, you know, when you said that, um, you know, um, he had said something to, you know, his, his uh, masseuse um, and, and his victims of like, you know, if you go public with, you know, what's happened here, or if you, you know, expose me, um, you're actually going to strip thousands of people away from their salvation. Like they're going to lose the faith, right? Which didn't say much about this, but about their, about their salvation or like what kind of gospel they were shared. But it's almost like trying to use uh, the Bible or Jesus as blackmail yeah and and the sad part is is like this is where we also have misused scripture to place that fear though too on women especially Mm -hmm. so i'm going to talk about some of the the purity culture um pain that's been caused Um, i know and just i want to say the irony of you know using using the gospel uh of jesus for that purpose when in the gospel of Jesus, he actually set, you know, women free of sexual oppression. Yeah. I mean, the woman caught in adultery is the, is the, is the, yeah. is the primary story that we can go and, to. And Mary Magdalene, you know, yeah. Jesus, Jesus is like one of Jesus' closest friends, you know, um, really just growing up in a system where I would say, you know, one way to say it, it is she was a prostitute. Another way to say it is she was trafficked because you know, she, because she lived in a society where, you know, women couldn't support themselves. So, right. Well, even before Jesus came on the scene, God was already doing that. Right. Yeah. And we'll talk about that, but, but I mean, you can go to um, Abraham, Sarai, mm-hmm. you know, um, or Abram and Sarai before Abraham and Sarah became Abram and Sarah. But when he's talking to them and like Abram gets, or Sarah, Sarai gets, you know, um, kind of anxious and, impatient on not making not having a child of her own so she basically just tells abram go sleep with my my servant girl 
yeah and abram's like okay because you know abram was like all right i'll sleep with somebody well yeah that's that's the thing of such a huge failing of men is that there's always very little protest when they have the opportunity for sex you know yes but then when he sleeps with her she gets pregnant sarai gets mad she starts treating her poorly so then she kicks her out but what's interesting is the entire part, and I preached on this, and I love this story for a reason, because the entire time Abram and Sarai never call her by name. They always say servant girl or, or maid servant or whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appears and says, Hagar. Yeah. And, gives, and says her name and says, what are, you, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm, I'm fleeing because I'm being mistreated. He's like, no, you have to go back. Because your child is still going to be a part of my purpose and is a part of my plan. And so, you know, she goes back. Now, the thing about it is, is that God saw her where she was, knew her name, knew her pain, sent her back because she, he still had a purpose for her in that place. And he knew that if she left them, she was going to be losing her security. She was going to be losing. And so he had to send her back for a security piece and knew that she'd be protected because he was going to be playing a role in that. Yeah. Some people would say, like, what a jerk sending her back to to that painful spot. But there's a reason for it. And and you have to go back and read that story. I'm not going to go into all of it. But the the part I want to focus on is that he knew who she was and he called her by name. And a lot of times these victims are just called victims. Or or they're slut-shamed. Or they're told that they're, they're, they're causing pain. And all they say is, like, them, them, them. We don't ever name them. We don't ever say like your name has meaning, mm. your name has power, your name, your voice is valuable. Yeah. Your voice can create change. Your voice is, and it's because we have made it so difficult for victims, for female victims to speak out because we tell them not to gossip because, you know, females gossip. We instantly go into this like this gender territory of saying yeah this kind of type of yeah what what women are going to do exactly yeah so so it's like you 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 gossip too much you know so don't gossip so then now these females are like well if i say this is it gossip because i tell them what i've experienced or what i know my friend experienced so maybe i shouldn't speak up because i don't want to be gossiping and if my friend doesn't want to speak up about what she's experiencing then maybe i shouldn't so then they stay silent or then we go to the other purity culture aspect of things and saying Women don't dress seductively, right? Don't yeah. wear certain clothes because then you cause your brother to stumble. Instead of saying, hey, men, how about you follow what, what Jesus says and it causes you to sin and, and gouge it out? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, it's come, you know, come from that other side, you know? So. Yeah. It's like you're the one that wants to look. How about you learn how to look at a woman in her eyes and not try to study her body? How about you look at her? in a way that she's God's God's child and daughter and she bears the image of God and quit lusting after her, making her feel like she has to, because now we, we, we constantly put the onus on the woman to make the change instead of saying men straighten up. Right. And in all other things, in all other things in this sort of like patriarchal culture we have, we're like, you know, the man makes his own decisions. He is the point man. He is self-reliant. You know, he is the leader in every situation. But then when it comes to sexual desire, we're like, oh, no, they're powerless. The woman is the leader, you know? Yeah. It's just the talking out of both sides of our mouth with that. Like, listen, is the, is the guy what you say is or not? Because if he is, then he should be able to control himself, you know? Right. Exactly. 
if we are real men, then you need to be able to say, I'm I'm not, I, I'm going to set my boundaries. I know where I'm not going to be. I know what I'm not going to be looking at. And I'm not going to blame a woman because if honestly, the way that they make clothes nowadays, if this is what she has to wear, I'm not going to blame her for it. I'm not going to, it's like, you know, I'm not going to like, because why is it her fault? Why is it her fault that she has to, that she's wearing clothes that she's wearing because she finds them nice. And I can't figure out how to keep my eyes from looking at her in that way and lusting right. after her. Over, yeah. Because that's my sin. Mm. That's not hers. No. And so, you know, now again, obviously, there are some boundaries in that too. Like, you know, if a yeah, woman is wearing it to draw attention. There okay, are, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be like for either of us to decide. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, we're not, you know, I, I've given up like, trying to have an opinion on that because I, I feel like purity culture that I grew up around kind of taught me to try to have an opinion on that and and not just purity culture. Um also just a lot of the the trials on TV that I, I grew up around, you know, like uh Clarence Thomas and listening to Arsenio Hall like joke about Clarence Thomas and you know and just Bill Clinton, you know. Bill Clinton yeah. and Monica Lewinsky, you know, and there were all these discussions about, you know, the way she was dressed or the way she behaved, you know, it was always on, you know, the woman, you know, and you just kind of grew up around that in the nineties and then throw add purity culture to that, you know, yeah. and, you know, you're, you're being asked to learn to blame women for everything. And like somewhere in the two thousands, I was like, I just got to give up caring about what women do. <laughs> Like as far as like what's in fashion, you know, and yeah. just worry, worry about myself, you know? Yeah. And I think that, again, you know, in the culture that we live in, when we, and again, you know, we can talk about politics, but I'm, I'm going to try to avoid talking about that, but it's like, we've allowed for certain people to speak in ways about women and be okay with it. Um, we've allowed for certain activities to occur and we don't hold those certain people to, to accountability. Yeah. Um, and so then when you have people in authority who use their role in authority, they are going to use the purity stuff and they're going to use all this stuff. Like, I would, I would be, I would have been stronger, but she wore what she wore and drew my attention. Um, I would have been stronger, but man, if she just didn't yeah. talk to me the way she did, or I would have been stronger if we weren't alone. It's like, stop, just yeah. stop doing that. By the way, I just do not think that the Bible um, supports that kind of excuse making. Uh, One big example that I think of is um, David, King David and Bathsheba. It's like a prime example. I never, ever see the Bible. We're talking about the Old Testament here, people. I never see uh, the writers of the Old Testament blame Bathsheba for t- for taking a bath and David looking at her naked it, mm-hmm. it, it, it is not her fault it's David's fault he sends for her um all of that was considered his sin you know mm-hmm. and i don't i don't think the bible would I, I just don't think that you know the bible supports this sort of victim blaming if it did then there would be chapters and chapters about what a terrible person Bathsheba was for taking a bath, you know? Yeah. I mean, David, like, it wasn't like, it's probably not the first time David was up there checking her out. Um, and he finally- Or looking her. around or looking around. I mean, if you're, yeah. if you're looking around the city and you can see in people's windows and on people's rooftops and 
I mean, you know, and, and I bet people probably think like, how can you take a bath on the roof? Excuse me. They didn't have water heaters then, you know, <laughs> I, I know, listen, I live in the country. I know you put the tub outside so it gets warmed up. Yeah. Right. Right. I you mean, know? there's, there's, there's a lot of factors in that. And, and so, you know, when I'm thinking about all of this again, we men, we, especially men in leadership, we have to be better at this. And because one of the things that started coming out, I started seeing a lot of pastors, a lot of like, you know, well-known pastors start saying stuff like, it could have been me. It could have been me. I could have been, I could have been in that same position as, as Robbie or. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to be careful here because, yeah. because he was, he, he was a serial um, yeah. assaulter. Like he, there he were had, many decisions made along the way. It wasn't where like he found yeah. himself in a, at a place of temptation that he just happened to be in and he slipped up one time. It was like, there were, there were things done, you know, like, and, yeah. and many, many decisions made along the way and probably just like sort of some plans, like, like create the opportunity for this sin to happen, you know? Yeah. Well it's, in advance of when he actually did it, you know? Yeah. Manipulation. You have to be, you have to have this plotted out in your head, like what you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. So if there's pastors out there who say like, man, I could have easily been there, then you need to go get therapy. Like you need to start, you need to start working on those issues because well, if you yeah, are that, like shut it down are, now. Like, are you, yeah, if you're that are, close, you, are you grooming people? Are you like creating situations where you're going to be alone with somebody and have a chance to take advantage of them? Because that's crazy. Exactly. It's one of those things where like, I love um, Andy Stanley. I love Andy Stanley and like the way like, I love his teaching. I love what he says. One of the things that Andy Stanley does, and I think is great, um, you know, and, and some people say this is extreme. They actually gave Mike Pence a little bit of a hard time for this, but like, okay. he, he doesn't want to be alone. Like he is the Billy Graham rule. Like he wasn't going to be alone with a woman. Like, so it's like, yeah. or if he was going to, he would say, look, you got to drive separately and we'll go to meet wherever we got to meet. Um, but every time he, like, if he ended up getting a situation, he would call his wife and he, or text her or something and say, Hey, look, it was supposed to be me and this one person, but now it's me and just her. Yeah. Oh, this is where we're at and this is how long the meeting's going to be and i will let you know when i'm leaving i'll let you know and like and you know like he made it very transparent as to like this is the situation yeah and he did he does everything in his power to avoid being in a situation where he could either be misconstrued as like look at him be, talking to this female in a, in, a, in a you know by himself and dinner um or he and, and he made sure his wife could know so that way it's like if somebody, if anybody's going to stand up for you, and and support you, and yeah. be able to speak, be like your wife will, and if your wife can do it, full on say like, look, he was transparent with me. He, I knew everything that he was doing. I knew where he was when he when he was there. So I know he yeah. wasn't doing anything wrong because he told me when he was there. He told me when he was leaving. He and we could look at the bills. You know, like this is what was going on. Like I knew what he was doing. So so you know, it's like this this element of communication and and holding yourself to a certain standard, this is very important for males in leadership, especially, but he doesn't blame the female for that. He just also knows that, you know, look, if this is a part of me that I know is going to be a weak spot, I'm not going to put myself in that role. I'm not going to put myself in that position. If it's a part of me that I know is going to be, um, or in my role, I know it can cause like people to think something poorly about me. I'm not going to put myself in that position. Yeah. Because I don't do it. And so, you know, for for these pastors who would say, or these leaders who would say, oh, well, this could have been me at any moment. 
that we have to think about that just a little bit. Yeah. It's almost like, like, it's one thing to say, you know, Hey, look, I could, I could have easily been in a situation where I was driving and I wrecked. Yeah. That could have been me. Why? Because it's a possibility. Um, And variables in that one. So yeah. Um, It could have been me where, you know, my, my kid could be outside and, and I accidentally, you know, back out of my car and I accidentally hit my kid. That could have been me. You know, it's sad to yeah. think about those things, but it could have been me. It could have been me with cancer. It could have been me with, but when you start saying it could have been me as a person who potentially groomed somebody to become my sex slave, my yeah. or my planned person I'm going to um, assault or rape or whatever. No, I, I'm sorry. That, yeah. that, that shouldn't be anything in our mind, in our minds or possibility because that means that you have something deeper inside of you that you need to get taken care of. Yeah. And, and like a long-term goal, you know, which makes it, which to me is the crazy part. Yeah. You know? And so now again, it's like, we got to think about all these things and and how the church is handling it because what we saw in a lot of these places um, is the church kind of swept it under the rug. The leadership said, yeah, we're going to make a big deal about it. We're going to tell the woman to be quiet or we're going to go ahead and just, you know, hey, look, it's it was, like, you know, it's an accident. There's like this weird, uh, like in a perverse way that it's for the greater good that this one victim would suffer and let these other people enjoy this person's ministry, which I, I'm convinced for some of these guys is less of a ministry, more of just like a personal brand, you know, um, yeah. you know, same as, you know, same as like a, a health um you know, a health person, I'm trying to avoid using the word guru because people say it all kinds of wrong. And I think, I do think it's appropriation to use that, but you know, these sort of like, um, um, health, uh, YouTube influencers and stuff, you know, they build a personal brand and, you know, that's how I feel about some of these pastors, you know, and when you're coming at somebody going like, listen, you know, you're going to bring the ministry down. Well, first of all, the, the ministry is, is the gospel of Jesus and one person's fall is not destroying the gospel of Jesus. What you're talking about is bringing down this person's personal brand. They've got book deals. They've got a YouTube channel. They've got sponsors, you know, yep. and you're, and, and you're bringing down their employees, you know? And I think that's where some of this motivation is that, you know, is like, whoa, if Ravi goes down, I lose my job because I work for him, you know, then what am I going to do? You know? And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people are so uh, focused on that aspect of it, like the disruption to my own career, um, working for this, this guy or this ministry that I need, you know, maybe we can let this victim suffer so that I can keep my job or that my life my kids don't have to be disrupted. We don't have to move to a new town and find a new preacher to, you know, um, build a website for or something, you know? Yeah. And again, there's probably plenty of biblical evidence against all of this. Yeah. Go back to the woman caught in adultery when all the men want to gather around her to throw stones because, you know, she was caught in adultery. But one of the things I've always wondered is how did all these men know what she was doing? Like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like they, they had, they, they knew. Yeah, and and the guy wasn't there either. I feel like they knew the guy that she was with, mm-hmm. you know, because it definitely definitely takes two to tango, and the guy's not brought forward. And here's another fascinating thing: I heard a pastor say this, and I don't think there's any evidence. This is all speculation, but you know, Jesus wrote in the dirt, mm-hmm. and I've heard pastors say 
what if he was like writing the names of people standing around there and maybe who they were with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, he may, I've have, he may have written, he may have just been writing down the names of other men in that group who had been with that particular woman. Yeah, I mean, like, it, there's definitely potential for for a lot of things in there. And yeah. the, the the reality of it is, is like you know, she was being shamed and she was being victimized. And all these men yeah. were ready to attack. And again, what did they know? Where, how, were they peeking in the window? Were they watching what was going on? Like, oh, there's all these factors that are in there. And now they're bringing her forward to be stoned. And Jesus is like, whoa, wait a second. And he sits with her. But again, we can go into the book of Acts when the disciples are walking and the, and the one woman comes in like, you're, you're followers of Jesus. And then they turn around and say, like cast the demon out right they cast the demon out of the woman and all of a sudden she's like set free and what happened the men who were making money off of this woman flipped out like wait a second that's our livelihood you just took away our money like she was our she was our money source and then they go and complain and say these disciples are here flipping our world upside down because they didn't stay silent in the situation she was being she was being manipulated she was being abused she was being um, you know, exploited for for whatever was going on with her, and they cast the demon out, and then now they're like, "Wait a second, they're flipping our world upside down." And this is where the church needs to start to be: is that when we yeah. hear these things about the victims, we need to flip the world upside down because the world would say victim shame or hold on, you know, like let's hear hear it all out before we go ahead and start. no, like honor the victims if they're sharing the story and they're sharing their truth listen to them understand where they're coming from don't tell them that they're wrong don't tell them you don't even have to tell them that they're right right away you can just listen to them but don't shut them down and don't shut them up because it might flip your world upside down by making your pastor have to leave or by ending a ministry or by ending your job or ending your church because the reality of it is is that you would much rather the gospel be glorified and be lifted up high where people are are seeing a true message of Jesus's grace and and and, and hope alive, then seeing yeah. a church that says we're going to continue to allow pain and suffering to occur in these in this group of victims because we want to protect our pews, we want to protect our doors, we want to protect our pastor who yeah. preaches so well and writes so many books and is so popular yeah. that if we you know we don't want to lose him, so we're not going to say anything about it. No, we have to speak up. We have to be real about it. And men, especially men in leadership, pastoral roles, find people to start holding you accountable. If you can't do that, then yeah. you've got to step out of your role. If you can't have somebody who, who you can say, look, I need you to tell me when I'm going off the rails. If you see me um, going out places that I'm not supposed to be, or if you know that I'm hanging out with people that I shouldn't be hanging out with, or if you know I'm taking, like, you need to tell me. Yeah. If, I, if I post something on Facebook that is inappropriate, you need to tell me, whoa, that was, that was out of bounds. If I'm preaching something that doesn't seem right, tell me I'm preaching yeah. something that's not right. And if you aren't humble yeah. enough, if you are not humble enough to get the right people around you to hold you accountable and to listen to them and to seek help when you need to seek help, then you probably need to get out of your role because that means that you are too prideful and too arrogant and you believe that you, that you are in charge of this ministry. And that is not yeah. the case at all. And so now we have these victims who had to stay silent for so long yeah. because these people in authority use yeah. their authority to manipulate, to exploit, 
to assault and to victimize. And my heart breaks for them. I just really wish the first thought would go to, you know, because we we may think of like a pastor who's going to be brought down for his for his sin and his crimes and like what that will do to his family and the people that looked up to him. But, you know, it's like the victims are valuable in the sense that, you know, they got stuff going on in their lives, too. You know, they're connected to people, you know, and they have potential, you know, um, they have potential. And, 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 and all I'm saying is I just wish we would look at them and go, man, this this violence against them is going to hurt their lives. It's going to hurt their families. It's going to hurt their careers. Um, I mean, let's think about that first, you know, because it's not their fault. You know, it, it is the fault of the guy who we're trying to protect. And so, you know, my last, my, the way I want to kind of close this out, because again, I think that this is like, this is going to be like a part two conversation somewhere down the line, you know, probably, you know, if we can get yeah. females in the, in the conversation, but yeah, I want to talk about the idea of um, of what grace and justice look like in the church, right? Okay. okay. Because also, because I think that, um, and again, we don't have very much more time, but but I kind of want to start that conversation in the sense of this is where we have to understand, like there, you you cannot have grace without justice. Like I feel like like it's almost like you you people think, oh well, the church is supposed to be a place of grace and forgiveness. And so mm-hmm. if something like this is going on, if you can't get over it, then you're not forgiving well. So then and you're not giving the grace to the, to the, to the person who's at fault. And so, you know, that's, that's on you. Like, that's on you. If you can't forgive well, if you can't give the grace. And then all of a sudden it's like, so the justice piece goes out the window because the people are afraid to like seek justice because they don't want to be not showing grace. But I want to say this is that, when you give grace properly, justice is still in the mix. Because Jesus gave grace when he went to the cross, right? Like, justice still came through while he was demonstrating grace. For yeah. us, when we are demonstrating grace, justice is going to be a part of that. Because we're going to say, look, I'm like, you are forgiven. You are like, look you know or you are if you are truly remorseful and you're truly repentant of this and you're truly sorry great awesome grace is given to you but you also have done something really horrible and you should you need to you you're gonna have to pay the price for that like you're going to have to you're gonna have to get the help that you need you're gonna have to own up to that you're gonna have to you might have to go to court you might have to go to jail you might have to suffer some consequences because that's a part of grace as well, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's also, by the way, a chance to um, be brought to justice uh, on earth. You know, um, I, I think in a way, um, when, when you uh, confess and are exposed and are punished by law um, and repent in this lifetime, that actually saves you from having to to stand before God and explain yourself mm-hmm. because it's, it's like God giving you a chance to repent of that before you die. Yeah. And these people who, who died in this sin, I mean, I, I don't be presumptuous, but I know they have to answer for that, you mm-hmm. know, because they didn't, yeah, they didn't necessarily confess it 
here, you know, and um, I don't know. It's, it's sort of like when these people get caught before they die, I'm like, take that opportunity, you know? Yeah. I know, I know you're trying to avoid prison because you're 70, 80 years old, but you might need to take that opportunity. This might be God giving you the last chance, you know, to confess these sins, you know? Yeah. And if you stay silent till death, like, like, um, unfortunately, I, I think, you know, someone like Bill Cosby intends to do. Yeah. I mean, heaven help him, you know, heaven help him if he doesn't confess it when he has the chance while he's still alive, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a painful reality. And I know, you know, yeah. Robbie's, Robbie's wife and family, they're going through it. You know, they're trying to figure out all this stuff too. I get it. And, it, and it's yeah. hard. For yeah. Um, and it, well, and they're, it. in a way, they're kind of, they're victims too. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, you know, because they're, they're victims of this and they're probably going to have to always live with this and always pick up the pieces and never be able to really have a conversation with the man that they're, that they now feel like they've been living a lie with. Yeah. And to close out, at least on my part, um, I want to, I want to end it with just thinking about what Jesus said, right. In, in his Sermon on the Mount, you know, he was actually very clear about when you know that you've done something against your brother, right. Yeah. And you know that you've done something wrong. Yeah. You need to go and apologize. You need to seek yeah. forgiveness. You need to repent. You need to, and be, before you even go to the altar, before you can leave anything at the altar for worship, you need to go fix that. Uh -huh. because, if, because if not, you would be held accountable and you need to go yeah. fix that. And I think this is where right now, if you are a man listening to this, um, you know, woman too, but if you're a man, especially listening to this, and you know you've done something that has wronged your sister or brother in Christ because you've taken advantage of your power or authority it doesn't matter if it's sexual assault if it's anything before you go to the altar this sunday yeah take some time to apologize seek out that forgiveness and then i want yeah. to say this to the to the victims if you're listening to this and you've been a victim or you know somebody who's been a victim look i know it's not the easiest thing to come out and speak about it and sometimes it's not it's not going to be it's just not the right time for you to do that i get it for safety reasons for other things but don't don't allow yourself to feel like it's your fault. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. it's not your fault. It's, no. It's it's the perpetrator's fault. It's the person who made the move, the person yeah. who decided to 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 touch you, decided to speak to you inappropriately, put you in a in a position of where you felt like you had to honor their authority in that way. Yeah. Um, because that's not that's not biblical. That is that's not a hundred, that's a hundred percent. That's unequivocal, man. Like you're, what you're saying is a hundred percent true in every situation. Yeah, uh, I mean, so, it's never it's never your fault, you know. So I just want to, I want to, like, I know that, like, I want to encourage the listeners to know, like, from from a male pastor leader role. Um, and I know Jared, I'm, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I can in this is that I think both of us feel like, as men, we have a responsibility to hold our gender accountable. To, to make sure that we say like look you know yeah we we own this like like this is a this is a this is a flaw on on the history of men in power and yeah. men in authority and this has to change and hopefully this little podcast here can be a beginning for some um hopefully you know at least we know where we stand and, and yeah. you know where we stand and we're not going to stay silent and we're going to speak up and say 
um, men cannot, cannot, especially men in leadership, um, cannot use their role in a in a way to manipulate, um, yeah. to to use, to exploit, um, or to groom for their own pleasure or for their own desires to be met. It's not. It's not healthy. It's not right. It's, yeah. it's not biblical. Well, my, my two cents on that is, is if you have, if God has put you in a position in your life where you do have power, I mean, financial power, influence as a leader, celebrity, whatever kind of power that is, even just power over a few people, like being a father of a household, you know, power over a few children, you know, do not use your power to destroy, use it to protect. Mm. yes amen amen well again this is probably just part one of this conversation because i think that we and i think there's a lot that can be spoken of in this and i think that um you know we'll see what we can do about making part two for next week but if not it'll definitely be very soon um because i think that this yeah. is a conversation that needs to be had and continued and especially like i said having some female voices in the mix while we talk about it because um yeah you know we can we can speak from a man's perspective but i think that you know, it'd be good again to have a conversation from a man's perspective with a woman's perspective in the mix too. So, well, that, I mean, that's where we're going to learn, you know, I mean, you, you definitely have to talk to somebody so you can see it through someone else's eyes. You just have to, and, and you know, it's, it's weird, but like, you know, if you really are listening to someone, you can kind of look at yourself through their eyes. That's, mm-hmm. that's huge. That's huge because um, then, you know, you're looking, I mean, you're, you're almost seeing like the, you're almost seeing like the good and bad that you put into the world, you know, mm-hmm. if you're willing to listen to somebody who's going to hold you accountable, you know? Right. Right. Well, again, Jared, such a great conversation. And I love having this conversation with you, man. It really, um, it's great to be able to get it off my chest and talk about these things and, yeah. it's, you know, I, I enjoy it. So, um, thanks again for, for just being a part of this with me yeah absolutely it's just um i learned something every week you know well if you've been listening to this podcast um you know frankincense podcast and if you've enjoyed it please share it like it comment um rate it you know let us know uh how what you're thinking of it because it's how we get better and it's also how other people hear about us and so um you know please take some time to do that we'd really appreciate it but again i'm your host bobby benavides and I am Jared St. Martin Brown. And we are glad that you listened to the Frankenstein podcast. We will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.